0: Welcome to the Get the Knack Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Knack, and I'm coming to you from the Get the Knack Podcast studio slash home office in Ocean Shores, Washington. That's the state of Washington, not the District of Columbia. And I am joined by my good friend, my old Navy buddy. He writes for PopMatters.com. He has forgotten more about music than I'll ever know. His name is Chris Ingalls. Chris, how are you?
1: Jerry, I'm doing very well, thank you. And I should add that I am not in Ocean Shores, Washington, myself. Yes. I am. I'm reporting from uh, from the East Coast as usual.
0: Absolutely, Boston, the Boston area in uh, Massachusetts mm-hmm. in New England. Um, That's right. So I'm I'm waiting for the new album from the COVID Boys to drop.
1: Hey, you know the COVID Boys have. Uh, they they are no longer the COVID Boys. They are cleared. And uh, we are we are planning something else instead um, because the name just doesn't fit anymore because we don't have COVID anymore.
0: <laughs> you got to regroup?
1: <clears throat> we got to regroup, literally. And, uh, yeah, my, uh, my son and I uh, both tested positive for COVID last week. My wife just tested positive a couple of days ago. Um, my son and I, my 10-year-old son, who's obviously not vaccinated yet, uh, we are both – Uh, doing fine and recovering and my wife is hopefully going to be a lot better uh, in a few days. So, uh, yeah, so uh, it's been a very interesting uh, week and a half to, to say the least.
0: Well, you know, as far as band name goes, band names go. You know, COVID Boys was pretty good. I mean, I don't know if it compares to Porkchop or not. But
1: well, COVID mm-hmm. Boys, I think had the problem is, is that that name automatically becomes dated. That's like you know, if there was a there was a jazz band a hundred years ago called the Influenza Boys. You know, that would make <laughs> For sense. The Spanish then, but- flu. <laughs> (laughs) The Spanish flu gang You know (coughs) Um, The Spanish flu quartet
0: (laughs) Yeah exactly
1: Um, But uh, yeah it was very timely uh, but yeah, the COVID boys are, are, are recuperating nicely. And again, it was just, as I mentioned to you before, uh, for me, it was just a, a nasty cold. You know, being vaccinated obviously helped a lot. My son had a lot of kind of aching and sort of like feverish symptoms, which was not pleasant for him, for, you know, from certainly from what I could tell. But, but we got through it. And uh, uh, boy, um, not a fun, you know – Week and a half. Not not a fun
0: experience. No, no. I don't recommend it. No, and you know what's interesting is is uh, not that long ago I was able to get my COVID booster shot at Mm -hmm. uh, at the the Rite Aid forty five minutes away, and uh, and I got my flu shot at the same time. I do not recommend that experience. Um, Oh no, no, no. I felt like I got hit by a truck. Uh, Yeah. So when I had the second COVID shot, the Moderna. I only had like a, a day, right? This freaking knocked me down for like two and a half days. It was bad. Uh, headaches, oh, wow. body aches, feverish, mm-hmm. chills. And I don't know, you know, which one or if it was a combination of the two or, or whatever. But um, but I'm glad I got it done. Uh, not the best experience. I I'd, 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 I'd hate to say it, my friend, but I'd rather have that than what you had. Um, yeah, well, I understand. You know, but the good news is you're on the mend. Uh, you, yep. you, and your family uh, have my best wishes and uh, speedy recovery to your wife. Um, Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, so let's uh, let's get into this because. You know music music is something that's that's near and dear to both of us we both had our Mm -hmm. our stints as disc jockeys we Mm -hmm. uh, we programmed our radio station like a college station even though we had to play requests of ymca every now and again
2: um
0: (laughs) you know but uh a lot of a lot of music in the news recently right i mean we're getting back into the the cadence of award shows right i think the country music awards are, are coming about i'm actually listening to more terrestrial radio since i moved here we have a local okay. station called KOSW um, and uh and the, the sound of the shores um so <laughs>
1: that sounds very quaint i love that it, it
0: does and you know what it sounds a lot like what we used to do in the military sure. it really sounds okay. like afrts radio it really does
1: okay uh you know but
0: um you know it's uh, they have some theme shows they have you know they have that that 2 hour block of classic country and then they'll do motown they do you know it's it is without Without really being so obvious, it, it is a lot like what we used to do, right?
2: <laughs> so Maybe
0: maybe that's why I gravitate toward to it. So before we get into that main thing you wanted to talk about musically, what's kind of funny is it's related to what I wanted to talk about. So okay. I want to talk a little bit about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh. Um, this was kind of a, almost like an internet campaign, a grassroots thing the last couple of years to get one of my favorite bands and you can snicker all you like. The Go-Go's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And they're finally, mm-hmm. finally members. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen them uh, live twice. Uh, been a fan since the first album dropped in 1981. And mm-hmm. uh, in the performer category, they're going in with uh, Tina Turner, Carol King, Jay-Z, the Foo mm-hmm. Fighters, and Todd Rundgren. Uh The Early Influence Award, and you might agree with me on this one, it's about damn time Kraftwerk got in.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. hundred um, and, percent. And I should, and I should point out right away, no stickering for me. Um, <clears throat> I'm not necessarily a big fan of the Go-Go's, but I, I, I acknowledge their influence. I appreciate them a great deal. I do like some of their songs. Um, and I think it's, uh, I, well, I mean, I don't know exactly where, where you wanted to jump in with this. If you wanted to just start talking about nominees, uh, one by one or, or whatever.
0: Yeah, we, well, well, just talk about it from like a hundred thousand foot view as I as I finish off the uh, the folks who are going in and and some of these folks I've never heard of, of course, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but maybe you right. have. Uh, again, with craft work in the early influence award, you have Charlie Patton, Gil Scott Heron, uh, musical mm-hmm. excellence award. Uh, I love LL Cool J, always have, always will, yep. sure. uh, especially his his early stuff, very early mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, Billy Preston yeah mm-hmm. will go sure. around in circles and and yeah. uh fantastic guitarist uh, uh Randy Rhodes and uh, the Amets I'm gonna butcher this. The Ahmet Ertigan award goes to Clarence Avant, and I'm not sure mm-hmm. what that, that does, uh, or how you get that award, but
1: um I think those are mostly behind the scenes. I honestly sure. have to tell you, I don't know who Clarence Avant is. I I just know the name from hearing about the Hall of Fame nominees, and I think it's more like producers and people like that. And I think he might have been more of like a like a producer or maybe like an impresario or something like that, like a non performer category, obviously. So gotcha. Um, yeah. So-
0: well, let's talk about the performer category for a bit, and uh, and then again that segues into one of the topics you wanted to talk about t- tonight. Tina Turner, obviously, uh, yes. I, I don't think you know there's a whole lot that we need to really say about Tina Turner. I mean her right. her career and what was, what she was able to do while she was being while she was in a domestic violence partnership, basically with Ike. Uh, it just is, is absolutely astounding what she was able to contribute to, uh, musical history and, and, and pop culture history. Uh, carol king uh one of the greatest albums in the history of of uh, recorded music um her influence continues to this day uh, i think there was sure. like a broadway musical a few years ago uh featuring yes her music. yes my
1: my wife actually went and saw it It actually was up in uh, providence she went on to see it and she said it was actually very good i forget the name of it but yeah
0: yeah i don't think it was tapestry um no the, the go-go's obviously uh hit in 81 they had really three major albums and they they parlayed that that success from those three three major albums to you know forty years of touring and success and spawned Belinda Carlisle's uh, uh, solo career, which was quite successful and has been. Mm-hmm. Um, Jay Z, you can't deny Jay Z's influence, not just in sure. hip hop but in music in general. Uh, yep. the, the Foo Fighters, which was spawned from the the death of uh, Kurt Cobain and, uh, you know, the whole grunge thing and Nirvana and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Todd, Grun- Todd Rundgren, also one of the more influential rockers uh, in music sure. history. So yep. you've, you've got a diverse group. What I really, really like is the recognition of more and more women going into yes. the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame.
1: Yes. And yes. And I believe one of the members of the Go-Go's, I didn't hear it, but I believe in her, the induction the acceptance speech or whatever I think it was might have been Kathy Valentine the bass player um made a mention that she's like we need to get more women in and I and you know I think it's it's it, it's there it, it's finally starting to happen you know it's kind of too little too late but but I agree with that and I, I think that it was it was certainly very heavily on that side this time around and that's good to see
0: yeah and there's a lot more right sure. because and I, and I know you know we, we always talk about these things as as like male dominated industries and we could talk about mm-hmm. hundreds of those and yep, and, sure. and music is no exception but if you go back and, right. and you you watch documentaries like the Laurel Canyon stuff right the Crosby mm-hmm. Stills mm-hmm. and Nash and, and mm-hmm. there were a lot of women even in the mid 60s at yep. the at the dawn of what we consider rock and roll today that were really influential, you know, the Joni Mitchell's of the world.
1: Sure, sure. And she's that you should I should add that she is in Absolutely. the Hall of Fame. And, and 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 fully deserves to be. But yeah, I think that for every Joni Mitchell, there are many others who who deserve to be there but haven't gotten in there yet. And there's people you don't even have to go back that far. I mean, I think and I think eventually she'll get in, but I think that like uh, one of our favorites, Bjork, is someone who I think is uh, I think she's over, what is it, 20 years after the first album or 25 years? What's the c- criteria?
0: I'm not sure. I'm, I'm sitting here. I think here. it's 20...
1: 20- I think it's twenty five, which means because her first album came out in ninety three, we were in Iceland at the time, and uh, so so she's a, she's she needs to be in there because she's a highly influential uh, 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 musician, singer songwriter. But but uh, you know, in terms of <clears throat> the people who got in this year, certainly the Go Go's I think are, are very influential. I mean, I think that they were. Um, you know, they, they, they made some great music. They made a lot of strides for sort of women in rock and roll and women sort of in like punk new wave or whatever you want to call it. Uh, Carol King, obviously tremendous, uh, you know, performer, but also a great songwriter even before she was a, a, a solo artist. And, uh, Tina Turner, it's funny, Tina Turner is, is this is her second time in because she was inducted. With Ike, Ike and Tina Turner were nominated as an act, and then as a solo artist, she's not been nominated. And I do think it's long overdue because I think that she was, you know, she really broke through with uh, it was a private dancer, and that was what 83 84 or something like that. So um, that is some long overdue recognition, and and uh, and I think everybody, it's one of these cases where well. I have a problem with the Food Fighters being in there, to be, <laughs> be totally honest with you. I mean I, I I can't I can't first of all first of all, you know, you were you were asking me earlier why do I hate the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I don't hate it. I think that it's kinda it's kinda silly, you know, and I don't really take it very seriously because it's one of those things where it's like, I can understand something like sports because a lot of that has to do with there's statistics involved. You know what I mean? Um, you know, there's like well, I don't want to get into what those statistics are cuz I don't really know what they are. No, but you're um,
0: you're 100% right. There there's right, measura- it's, it's, there's measurables.
1: It's art. And the yeah. thing is is that you can, and you cannot put people in and I don't think that they do this very often, but you can't put people in based on sales. Because no. if that were the case, there's a lot of people who are in there who wouldn't be in there and there's a lot of people i mean but how you know, do you
0: quantify it today right with downloads well, and everything that, else
1: right i mean no i think that i think that what they do or what they should do is it should be based on influence i think sure. it primarily should be based on you know you look at the go-go's they influenced all these people that came after them that should be a very big criteria i think that should be the most important criteria and that's why i kind of have a problem with foo fighters i don't dislike the foo fighters i think they're good at what they do they're just a fun good rock and band you know that but the thing is it's just like how many people got into like rock and roll because they heard the foo fighters you know what i mean they're they're to me it's just i think that they're i think that they're good at what they do i have respect for them as musicians um i think dave Grohl is a very talented guy um but it's like i don't know it's just i don't i almost argue
0: that dave Grohl goes in by himself
2: Well, yeah, from an influence
0: standpoint, I mean, you look at kind of some of the stuff that he's doing now and, you know, uh, you know, some of the stuff he's done through the pandemic, he's had more of a, a, you know, visible impact and influence than I think he has with the Foo Fighters, Uh, you know, um, I think,
2: yeah,
1: I I, I just, it's just, again, I don't want to make it sound like I hate these guys because I don't actually think they're pretty good. It's just like, you know, and I don't. I don't know. I kind of look at them as more just kind of like a good time bar band. You know what I mean? They just—it's like meat and potatoes rock and roll. It's not going to change your life. And how many bands have the Foo Fighters like influenced? That's a, that's the whole. That's the thing for me. But um, but, but other but than they that, they played I think,
0: David Letterman off. I mean,
1: <laughs> well, and that was great. And that was great. Sure and was. Great. It was. I'm like a, And I'm not going to lie to you. I think Everlong is a great fucking song. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's, they're a good band. It's just, that's why I feel bad. I'm saying really these guys, I think that, um, I think David Letterman
0: should be in the fucking rock and roll hall of fame for all the freaking musical acts that he introduced us to over the years.
1: Oh god yeah and he and he was really good at sort of championing acts that normally wouldn't have gotten that kind of exposure and one of the one of those is uh, one of my favorites who I think is long overdue is Warren Zevon. He had Warren Zevon on his show so many times and I think introduced him to a whole new audience. And um, and you know who I think belongs in the Hall of Fame a lot more than Foo Fighters and they've been around a little bit longer is Weezer. Mm. If you want if you want to talk about like not bands that kind of flourished yeah. in the 90s, I mean I think that If we're going to go into that category, I think that, you know, and Green Day is in, which I don't really particularly agree with 100%, but I think they belong in there more than Foo Fighters. You know, I just, that's just my take on it. I don't know.
0: Well, you know, next thing, you know, the offspring is going to be in there if you want to. Oh, God. Right?
1: I I hope not. Well, good, you know, I, not, gonna get are they gonna get better than Ezra in there? Maybe I don't know. But
0: I think between <laughs> between them and Joe Jackson they own part of Sirius XM,
1: but you know Oof. Uh, that's some, that's someone I wouldn't mind seeing in there. He's not in there. That's odd.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, He's, yeah.
1: And 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 uh you know, kind of moving through the list a little bit. I mean, I think Todd Rungren. Todd Rundgren is one of those people that everyone has been complaining for years because he's been eligible. He's been around since like the early 70s, at least. And, and you can um, put
0: him in, in any number of categories. He, sure, he's sure. a producer. I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's done so much in his in his career
1: almost better known as a producer i mean the guy you know he he produced like those you know bad out of hell he, he produced, did he uh, did uh,
0: patty uh, smith uh records yep i, um, I gotta phrase uh, that properly i don't know if he did <laughs> patty smith or not but but he did her records
1: he produced her records let's make that clear <laughs> and uh, uh 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 one of my favorite records skylarking by xdc he produced that oh although i that adore was a- that album <clears throat> yeah just turned 35 oh. uh uh if you want to feel old um but uh yeah i mean as as a performer and as songwriter absolutely but as a producer almost even more so and uh you know jay-z of course and then of course everybody goes into the whole then you get all these then you got all these morons who are like it's not the rap hall of fame oh it's my the god hall of fame. and i'm so glad is there that you're, anything
0: is there anything more rock and roll than rap or hip-hop
1: well, that's the thing is that it's like all of these genres are all sort of connected and they mm-hmm. all have to do with each other. And, yep. you know, I think that I think that a lot of rock and roll is about rebellion and certainly hip hop is about certainly about rebellion. And um, I just think that I'm sorry, but it's so rooted in racism to be like, oh, rap 100 percent in there. One hundred percent. I mean,
0: I'm a huge Public Enemy fan. Always have been. They're in the Rock mm-hmm. and Roll Hall of Fame. They definitely mm-hmm. belong, you know. Sure. And, and even even a white rap group like the Beastie Boys. The one time that I got to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, their exhibit, their signatures on the wall were the ones that I sought out because, you know, they they meant so much to me. Um. And now now in the next time I go, I get to I get to see the girls on the wall. Uh. With the Go Go's. Yeah. The Go Go's yeah. came came from that that late seventies los angeles punk scene right yep and, I, yep. and i think so much of the music that i love from the early to mid 80s is is from that post-punk era right so you go from joy division to new order um yep. you know depeche mode and groups like that the cure mm-hmm. all came out of that that post-punk era and yep. and the Go's are no exception it's just they went more rock rock pop with their their sound yeah absolutely and, and you know without them the Bangles don't exist and a lot of mm-hmm. other a lot of other groups don't exist as you as you mentioned at the top of the show. Um it's just it's really good to see. I follow them on social media and I and I kinda mm-hmm. kinda hang this as a badge of honor that uh the day after I saw them in concert in twenty eighteen I tweeted at Belinda Carlisle and she believed she tweeted back at me a happy birthday. So I, um, I was so you got that going for you. I got that going for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I, it, it's really weird because I, 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 remember, you know, listening to the album and reading the lyrics, you know, when, when you're 11 years old and in mm-hmm. upstate New York and, and you're in the middle of the winter and, and, you know, you kind um, of listen to the records over and over and over and over again. Sure. And it, uh, you know, uh, it took me, you know, I, when did I see them live? 2014 was the first time I get to see them live, uh, yeah. which was fantastic. It was a great show. It was, uh, it was with uh, the motels and, uh, Patty Smythe, not Patty Smith, Patty Smythe, Mrs. Right. Mrs. Mrs. John McEnroe. Yes. Scandal. And, uh, uh, so, you know, it was a, a fantastic show. Pete Byrne from, uh, uh Naked Eyes, uh, was there. Uh, so that was that was a great show. Enjoyed it. Got to I got to get really close to the stage at the Fox Theater in Oakland, California, to see the Go Go's the last time. Uh, a, a young punk group named uh, called uh, Potty Mouth opened, and uh, you know the 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 current state and the future of women in rock and roll. Never mind just music in general, but rock and roll and and the uh, as you called it, the rebellious music. I think mm-hmm. you know, with the Billie Eilishes of the world and people like that, I think I think the the current and the future is secure, and and groups like the Go Go's paved the way for these groups and and these yeah. performers. Right,
2: right. But, Agree, hundred percent.
0: Yep. And Jay Z, I mean, Jay Z's influence, you know, it's kind of like kind of like uh, P Diddy, right? I mean, you know, he's a producer, he's a record yep. label, he's you know. Finding new talent, new acts, and that kind of thing, and and obviously we know who his wife is some some bimbo I don't know what her name is
1: anyway uh, <laughs> some some gold digger
0: yeah so, <laughs> no no that's Yi remember that's Yi we, we don't call him Kanye West anymore we call him Yi but that's a different right. discussion for a different day right. but you know again Foo Fighters came came from from the ashes of Nirvana. Right. And, and, you know, I live, I live uh, down the road from Aberdeen, which is where uh, Kurt Cobain grew up. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, I I think this, I don't think you could take Tina Turner, Carol King, the Go-Go's Jay-Z, Foo Fighters, or Todd Rundgren and say any of them, except you made somewhat compelling argument. Um, Mm -hmm. But for the most part, you you can't say they they don't belong. And then Kraftwerk, for crying out loud, you know, yeah. you, you yeah. want you want to talk about trance techno dance music. I mean, Kraftwerk was was like the soundtrack of of every Gen X. You know,
2: event
1: <laughs> and and bar and dance club. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and I think and I think what's interesting about them is that is that um, they had a big influence. And I was I uh, you know I was reading about about like uh, a lot of hip hop people who who saw them as a big influence. Um, you know, in terms of, I think that might have been sort of in terms of sampling and stuff like that. Mm, yeah. Um, uh, uh, you know, Gary Newman, who is not in the Hall of Fame, it was another example of someone who is heavily hip hop uh, sampled by hip hop artists. So, so the influence isn't just in sort of like current electronic music; it's certainly there, but it's also uh, you know made its way into hip hop. So, the influence, someone like Kraftwerk, the influence kind of goes all over the place, and that's all the more reason for them to be in there and 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 long overdue because I think they 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 started in the 70s, so it's it's uh, you know they could have been not they could have been inducted years ago, Um, but you know better late than ever.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and you know I mean that led to a lot of you know my favorite stuff of the 80s. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know. And then when you look at the musical excellence thing, I mean, obviously Billy Preston was was big in in R and B, and Randy Rhodes, obviously with Ozzy Osbourne, a phenomenal sure. guitar player. Uh, yeah. But you know, from an influence standpoint, you look at LL Cool J and how he is interwoven into pop culture in the last ten years or so. But you know, I think I think we almost forget a lot of his early his early stuff. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Rock the Bells and and uh, you know i can't even name all the all the the songs but you know he was he was with jeff def jam records touring with the beastie boys and run dmc and all those guys back in the beginning and uh he is a he's a you know a fou- foundational member or even a mount rushmore member of of hip-hop
1: yeah yeah agreed and um it's good to see a lot of these hip-hop um, artists getting recognition and it's been pretty steady over the last several years. And I think that I want to say like Grandmaster Flash might've been the first ones inducted. I could be wrong, but, um, you know, from then on it was just like, it seems like almost every year there's at least one and there should be more really. But, um, I think they've, they've done a pretty good job with getting a lot of these people in there. I think, you know, Grandmaster Flash and Public Enemy, LL Cool J, Beastie Boys, um, you know, it's, it's a good, it's a good group and, and there's, there's more to come. I'm sure I'm really looking forward to hearing like what other, uh, what other artists from that genre are going to make it in there. Cause there's a lot.
0: Yeah. Because I think there's a lot of guys from that grandmaster flash era, even, even before that were, uh, foundational pieces, you know, they're the ones yeah. that pioneered not, not only the sound, but the technology. Right, the yeah. the, the yes. way the way two turntables work together, the mix, the scratch, the you know the the whole deal of being a quote unquote DJ, and and even you look at you, you look at how that influenced some of the stuff that that we like. You you go to the House Martins and 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 go to mm-hmm. um, Fat Boy Slim, right? I mean, sure. it's it's sure. a it, it becomes this this thing, and then that leads to things like dubstep and all this other bullshit, um, you know. <laughs>
1: Tell me how you really feel.
0: Uh, I mean, I don't know. I can't even, I can't even put a, put a name to any of it, but, but you follow me, right? There's, there's, yes, there's people absolutely. who wouldn't exist if it wasn't for, for people who were in these silly little pop bands, uh, yes. of the 1980s that decided, oh, I'm going to go experiment with this. And then, you right. know, that leads to the Chemical Brothers, that leads to all this other great stuff. And it's the craftworks. It's it's the grandmaster flashes. It's it's all those folks from the very beginning, in the late seventies mm-hmm. and early eighties, who decided, you know, I'm going to plug this into this, and yep. I'm going to do this with it, and create a whole new thing.
1: And, yeah. And those and
0: it, those folks need to be in the rock and roll hall of fame too.
1: It's and it's interesting that you talk about how. You know, I I didn't really, you have a, your, your, um, appreciation of hip hop goes back a lot farther than mine because you were obviously a fan going back at least to high school, it sounds to me. Yes. And, and for me, it really, I, it wasn't until I was like in, like in adulthood when I developed an appreciation for it, um, because I just didn't really, like, I, I don't know, was it, was it with, did you have a lot of friends who were into it or you just kind of discovered it on your I, own or I'll what? I'll tell you
0: where it started. It's the strangest thing. So when, when I was in sixth grade, I went to this school in Rochester, New York. It was, it was what we called a magnet school, right? It was, it was six through 12. Yep. And um, you, you chose, you know, whatever you wanted to do. You could do arts, you could do science and technology, you could do whatever. And, at lunch, it was when Sugar Hill Gang had dropped, and these mm-hmm. these guys would listen to it, and they bang out the beats on the lunch tables. Oh, nice! And I thought this was like the neatest. F- it was it was it was really really cool because it was almost like a community thing. It was like a connection, yeah. a human connection thing, right? Everybody right. was banging out the beats on the tables. It's like what right. the hell is this? And then yeah. in in high school, in my uh, freshman and sophomore years, all kinds of stuff was, was dropping, right. It was run DMC. It sure. was, um, let's see, I'm trying to think, well, you well, know, the Beastie
1: boys were, were coming around 86, around 86 was yeah. the
0: beastie boys. Right. And I graduated yep. In 87. Yep. Yep. So, you know, LL Cool J run DMC run DMC did their, their seminal production with, uh, uh, Aerosmith, Yep, sure, And, you know, but I was into it before that. And then, then you had the, the original diss tracks, right? The whole Roxanne, Roxanne saga, Mm uh, mm -hmm. you know, and so this stuff was on the radio. You had, you had Houdini. Houdini was huge back then. And I really loved Houdini. Um, but you, you had, uh, stuff like, uh, jam on it. Uh, by Nucleus, mm-hmm. um, you had stuff like, I used to roller skate. I used to go to the roller rink on Friday nights. And so you'd get exposed to a lot of this stuff, even if it wasn't yep. getting radio airplay. Sure, sure. So that's where it started for me. And then my my best friend in high school, he was into alternative. He was into Joy Division, which led to New Order and The Cure and all that stuff. So he got me hooked on that stuff. And when you start listening to both of those, you you hear the influence. You hear yeah. the beats, you hear the, the trance, you hear all of that stuff, uh, come over. And then, and then when you get into the nineties, now you start getting into things like public enemy, you start getting into Wu Tang, you start getting into all, uh, uh you NWA, you want to get into gangster rap. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. you know, it all is a, it's almost like a domino effect. Right.
2: Yeah. Sure. And, sure.
0: And, and so one influences the other, influences the next, and and now you you have the Jay Z's, you have the P Diddy's, you have people like that. Who, the the great thing about them is not only did they make their bones in, in making music, they turned the industry on its head and became their mm-hmm. own record labels. Sure. And they're sure. finding new talent.
2: Yeah,
1: they were able. They were able to be self sufficient in that way.
2: Which right, which I think right. kind
1: of, kind of what they wanted all along, and like, they they got it, which is great, because uh, they were able to kind of do what they wanted to do without a bunch of white guys telling them what to do. Although Rick Rubin's white, but still, <laughs>
0: is he really? Is he really? <laughs> but is he really?
1: <laughs> but uh, the thing
0: was, for when when we were when we were kids, it was IRS records and it was Def Jam doing the stuff um, that that we liked that was disruptive that yep. was turning the whole industry on its head. And it was finding these, these underground unknown fringe uh, outliers that, that we know and love today. And everybody is, you know uh, oh yeah, this is great. I'm like, yeah, we've been listening to this stuff for 35 years. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's like, I saw you two in 1987 and, and I actually heard that we're walking to the show as an outdoor stadium show and somebody, Hey, have you heard that new band you 2 I'm like, Oh Jesus Christ. <laughs>
1: Oh. Uh, I remember first I ever heard it was M T V like the early days of M T V like 81, 82 like Gloria and um, New Year's Day and stuff like that. Yeah. they were they were unknown, but they were a college rock bands were the college stations. And they I think they really they were those bands that blew up with Live Aid. I think that was kinda how they you know, they they really made a big flash, obviously. And I remember them on Live Aid thinking, wow, these are, you know, these are on a good show. So um yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. the funny thing is is that, you know, my initial interest in sort of like rock new wave, singer songwriter, stuff like Elvis Costello and uh uh Joe Jack that really originally TV, you are you are uh,
0: seriously breaking up on me right now.
1: Can you can you hear me now? Yeah better. Okay. So anyway, what I was saying was um I discovered a lot of these artists like elvis costello and the jam and stuff like that on mtv in the Mm. early days of mtv like 81 82 which seems inconceivable when you think about when mtv became but see the thing is in the early days of mtv they only had they had a limited amount of videos they were begging they They were begging for material they played anything they could get they would play and they would be you know haircut 100 who are you guys whatever you guys got a video fine let's play it and so as a result. Yes, they were playing Pat Benatar and they were playing a lot of like rock music and stuff, but they were playing all of these British new wave bands that wouldn't normally get the time of day on top 40 radio. So that's how I first discovered them. Um so same, that's like same. that's yeah, that's kind of like in a a sense MTV was sort of a blessing back then because it was giving exposure to all these bands now I didn't really appreciate them until a few years later when I was in high school but it kind of planted a seed I mean I heard the jam in 1982 when I was normally into you know because I was into like the hard rock stuff I was into like Rush and stuff like that and I remember hearing like Town Called Malice by the jam and I'm like you know it's not cool to like this because all my friends who listen to Rush would beat the shit out of me but I really like this song. <laughs> you know I mean? Right.
0: But I'm, you're also you're also listening to The Fix. You're listening to The Call. You're listening, yeah. you know, all of that stuff, too. And, and 120 Minutes, I, I can't tell you how many hours of sleep I, I lost on Sunday mm-hmm. nights listening to 120 Minutes. Sure. You discover sure. groups like The Sundays. And, yep. you know, it, it is really interesting because it is funny how it influenced us as disc jockeys in, in – you know, in the nineties because we were looking at stuff. We were playing the Goo, Goo dolls before anybody knew who the hell they were. Uh, we were playing when they were
1: when they were pretty good. Yes,
0: yes. Before they went all commercial, because well, they, the fuck they out. used
1: to, They sounded like the replacements at one point. I mean, they were almost like a punk band initially, yeah. and then they did like you know Iris or whatever. And that's well, because yeah. they
0: grew up in a Buffalo scene, right? And you can't you can't. I mean, shit, it's <laughs> grime and dirt and you know basement clubs in in Buffalo, and and mm-hmm. you know you can't help but sound sound that way, right? It's it's almost like you know um, God. So it's like early sublime, right? It's it's just yeah. uh it's it's gritty, it's it's good, it's you know, and then and then all of a sudden you do a soundtrack for a sappy romantic fucking stupid ass <laughs> well, movie. What's that oh City, of, City Angels. of Angels? City of Angels bullshit with Nick Cage. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh Lord. Okay, so Let's get to, you're listening to the Get to Knack podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Knack, up here in Ocean Shores, Washington, which is, you know, might as well be fuck Canada. And uh, Chris Engels, my buddy uh, from uh, from a long time ago and still pals today uh, over in Boston on the other side of the continent uh, talking about music right now. So one of the things that you kept asking me all week, and no, I have not a chance to watch this, but. I got to set this up and I'll I'll set it up and I'll hand it to you and you can talk a blue streak about it. Okay. Um so our first exposure to Sparks was in the early 90s back in Iceland when we used to put programs on television and we used to have to put filler programs on. Or or a little, right? A show would be 22 minutes long and we we couldn't put commercials on. So we had to put these filler videos on and a lot of them were music videos, but they weren't really music videos of the artist. They were like, right. right? So we used to have, you know, Falco's Rock Me Amadeus, but it was all like classic music clips over the top of like symphony. Well, Sparks happened to do a song called Cool Places. And mm-hmm. it was all set to penguin footage. And and the for, crazy thing I is
1: all about
0: you, you, that. See, I got it. See, this is why you have me to set it up for you, <laughs> fucker. Okay. So, right? Never mind. You and Gerard Johnson and the damn snow snakes. That's that's a whole <laughs> that different
1: wasn't, I had nothing to do with the snow snakes, <laughs> you were in that's, it that's, No, no I wasn't. Yes, you I were. Snakes. You weren't no, in snow Pat, snakes?
0: I thought you were in
1: Pat Smith oh, is in Jesus it. Jesus Christ, Pat
0: Smith. The school of Pat Smith. <laughs> what the hell <laughs> ever happened to that guy? Um, he uh,
1: he developed a healthy distrust for social media. Oh, so Jesus he's Christ. sort of he's off the grid.
0: Yeah, basically. I had to block Josh Johnson for calling me an ass hat once. Um <laughs> but anyway, I digress. Um so anyway, so that's Cool Places. Yes, cool places, Sparks and Gene Wheedlin of the Go Go's. Yes. yes
1: so, that was that was their that was their um, that they got a big, they, she was, she, uh, it was basically a duo, a duet with, with her. And, uh, so 83. Yeah. So anyway, go ahead.
0: Right. So that leads me to apparently over the summer, some documentary about the Sparks brothers mm-hmm. known Came as up. otherwise known as Ron and Russell Mayel, uh, mm-hmm. make up the duo Sparks yeah. Um, Edgar Wright, the uh, documentarian of some renown, has mm-hmm. uh, has has put this thing together, and I'm only reading from the Wikipedia entry here, but I mean influential people like Beck, Flea, Steve Jones, um, mm-hmm. you know, Todd Rundgren, yeah, Stephen Morris and and Jillian Gilbert. I mean, Gillian, you get Jillian yes. Gilbert to do something, you fucking did something. God, she's like a recluse, right? I was just stunned the last time I saw New Order in concert that she was there. I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Um, You know, the guys from Erasure, um, Sonic Youth, Nick Rhodes. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody, and Bjork, a soundbite from Bjork is even in in, in this fucking thing. And I had, the description of this thing is really interesting because the words criminally overlooked were used mm-hmm. and from my perspective that is pretty accurate because outside of cool places i don't know a fucking thing about these guys but apparently yeah. they're as influential as nick kershaw and robin hitchcock yes. right i mean yes. so so tell me explain <clears throat> it to me my brother my friend who i've known for 30 freaking years why the hell i should care about sparks
1: well, I think that if you – I'll be honest with you. I think that if you if you watch the documentary, I think it will become apparent to you because what happens when you watch the documentary is that you're overloaded with all this footage of them, all this music videos and all this concert footage and testimonials from people talking about how great they are. And the music kind of speaks for itself. I mean it's a very well-made documentary and there's a lot of great narration and, and, and everything and interview footage. But, but you hear the music and the thing is is that I think um, – you in particular are someone who I think would benefit from it because you, when you when you hear the music, you hear echoes of stuff that I know that you're really into. I mean, you hear a lot of kind of synth pop. You hear a lot of kind of like early Roxy music. You hear a lot mm. of like electronic music. You hear a lot of kind of like craft work and stuff like that. And it is it does a lot of the music. A lot of the songs have kind of a bit of a silliness to them, but it's all very, very well made. It's all extremely well constructed music and it's just like really easy to get into and they're extremely prolific I mean their first album came out in like 72 or 73 and they're still making music and they've got something like 25-30 albums out and you know they've kind of they the, the, the documentary is sort of like you know it's your typical chronological documentary and they say and then in 78 they made this album and then you hear bits and pieces of the album and you're thinking they're remarkably consistent I mean the music all sounds really good and it covers a lot of different ground. I mean, there's sort of dance music, there's pop music, there's some really kind of like almost theatrical type stuff. Um, and it's, it, it's kind of like, I, I sort of compare this, the, the consistency of this band to, to like say They Might Be Giants, which is another duo that has remained remarkably consistent to the, to the point where I listen to, the latest album from They Might Be Giants, and it still sounds really good. It sounds just like just as good as their old stuff. And that's kind of the thing with Sparks, is that they they don't seem to have any kind of falling off of quality of their music over the years. And they've adapted to different genres and styles. As, genre, as genres and styles have moved, moved along, they've adapted very easily into these genres so that their music doesn't sound like old-fashioned. It sounds like they've done a really good job of kind of keeping up with music. Um, but I think that, it's worth it's worth your time to check it out and i think that if you if you watch it and if you like what you hear i think that that will certainly in my case it's gotten me to kind of like further explore their music on you know spotify and everything like that so i think it's worth your time i think you would like it because i think that it it, it definitely um hits a lot of the you know the, the the things that you like i think it kind of checks a lot of boxes so i would i would definitely i would definitely check it out and it's a really interesting story they're interesting guys they're kind of weird but they're interesting guys. And, um, you know, you you mentioned yourself the list of the people who were interviewed in this thing, and it's everybody, you know, everybody who's everybody. I mean, it's not just musicians like, you know, Patton Oswald and, you know, all these other people. They're like, yeah, these guys are great. I don't know why people aren't more into them. And I think that they were more popular in England. Um, I think they had several hits in England as opposed to in the States where it was basically Cool Places. And I think that was it. And I think it was Cool Places was a big hit mainly because they had Jane Weedland and they got her. When the Go Go's were at their peak. So naturally, that's like a built in audience right there. So probably all the Go Go's fans went out and bought that album. Well, and they play it it in concert.
0: I mean, so, you know, as much as they play do Belinda Carlisle's, you know, couple of big hits, you know, like Mad About You and, and, and Oh, Go Go's do
1: cool places in concert. Is that what you're saying? (laughs)
0: Yeah. The Go Go's will play cool places in concert. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, and wow. Belinda Belinda will do this this Sparks part and and Jane does her part. <laughs> I, you know, whatever. Right? I mean I like that. I think that's kind of funny. Well, if you um, saw how many gay men were at the concerts the, with the Go-Go's, you you know, you'd understand.
1: Um <laughs> yeah, it's that, a subculture that's, that's It's really not a criticism,
0: it's just a reality. No, no, no I, know, yeah, I know. I know.
1: I know I understand. But uh, but I think I think you would like these guys. I think they. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go ahead and just like just go out on a limb here and say you probably would be, or maybe you would not.
0: The you, reviews you, you are great be, on the documentary, I, so I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to check it out. I, I do well, love even a good if, documentary. Even if the,
1: yeah, I was gonna say even if the music doesn't doesn't do it for you, I think it's a very well made documentary. It's certainly interesting, and uh, you know, Edgar Wright is is. Um, I don't know if he's ever. I mean, I know that he's like a like a film director. I mean, he did like Hot Fuzz and all this stuff. Yeah, but yeah,
2: yeah. I don't.
1: I don't know if he's done a lot of uh, any other documentaries. But anyway, this is really good. It's on Netflix now. So if you have
2: Netflix. I adore uh,
0: Cool Places. I think it's, you know, I mean, it's like this perfect fusion of of new wave and and Mm -hmm, pop. mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just a fun, fun song. And I think, you know, what's kind of funny is if you go back... And you listen to even Joy Division, right? Go back and listen yeah. to Husker Du and and, mm-hmm. and FuzzBox and and all these these influential early new wave and, and prog rock bands, there's there's a whole bunch of just like traditional rock pop music in there. That, yeah. you know, and I don't know if it's because they did it for, you know, uh, a wedding reception or a party or whatever. But there's a ton of that stuff that's kind of like buried in these catalogs. Yeah. And, and it's just, you know, just a lot of fun, upbeat, poppy music that the, these groups did. And I'm surprised I don't get credit for dropping Nick Kershaw and Robin Hitchcock. But
1: <laughs> you know. Well, I... I um it's funny, Nick Kersh- So Nick Kershaw was in Haircut One Hundred, I think. I think he was the lead singer of that band. And I'm not terribly familiar with his solo stuff, but I do know he actually had an album that came out a few years ago that I reviewed for Pop Matters. Robin Hitchcock, I've been a fan of. Actually, I discovered his music in Diego Garcia of all places. Um, his latest album at the time had come out, and the Ship Store in Diego Garcia was notorious for having an extremely spotty CD collection. To the extent where it was like, oh, this looks interesting. I'll buy it. I might hate it, but it looks interesting. Cool, cool cover, you know. And um, I you got should a, shop
0: uh, at a ship store sometime.
1: Well, right, a real ship store, as a opposed real to real ship store, because Diego to Garcia's to store was so it, yeah, it was so small they didn't they couldn't call it an NEX. They had to call it a ship store. But anyway, I got. uh it's it's true. It's a true story. I believe and you. I, I shit. I lived yeah, it. Was, I know. Yeah. God. So anyway, uh, in '89, I think. uh That's how Queen I discovered Elvis.
0: Kathy Dennis. I fuck. I don't know. <laughs> shit.
1: But uh, Queen Elvis by Robin Hitchcock came out in 1989. I bought it at the ship store because I thought the cover looked cool. I also think there was a sticker on the CD that something like Spin magazine gave it five stars or something. I'm like, well, well you have to understand where I was coming from. I, I was well,
0: literally that, in the yeah. middle of nowhere. Yeah, that's so, so me. Anyway. Woo, Spin magazine.
1: But, but in all honesty, though, that ended up being like one of my favorite albums of during my time there. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is that, um, bravo with those, uh, name drops. Oh, thank Um, you. I appreciate it. And, uh, two, two very, uh, two very, um, very, uh, extremely,
0: extremely influential, right? I mean, they're considered, you know, two of the godfathers of, of alternative music of the eighties. And, you know, I mean, even, uh, you know, when you, when you look at, uh, you mentioned, um god who is a damn great. you mentioned the jam i could even mention the alarm at that point right so sure. yeah you know
2: mm-hmm.
0: so yeah um so as we always do here on the get the knack podcast with your host jerry knack and and making his monthly appearance uh one half of the uh now defunct covid boys chris ingles um <laughs> yeah, the short-lived uh prog rock band out of boston yeah uh you know, we always talk pop culture when you when you're, you're on, and uh, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about music and and obviously uh, for good reason. But we got to talk some film, and we can talk some mm-hmm. TV as we always do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, why the fuck do you hate Wes Anderson so much?
1: Oh my god, <laughs> I don't hate Wes Anderson. Jesus Christ. Thanks for warning me that you were going to talk about this, by the way. I actually do appreciate that. <laughs> I did warn you. Yeah. But no, you did, I know, and I appreciate that. Um well I don't know. It's just see, okay, so I remember when when Rushmore came out, okay. And oh, Jesus um, I heard so many good things about it and I and I based on everything that I heard about it, I went I, I think I rented it on VHS, just to give you an idea. What? It was like ninety nine. So uh, anyway, after we so invented
0: I'm, binge watching in the early yes. 90s, yes.
1: So, yeah. So anyway, so um and I loved it. I thought it was fantastic and I still love it. I thought it was a really nobody had made a movie like that before. I thought it was so cool and really interesting and the style was great and everything. The problem I have with him is that every movie he makes has the same kind of style to it and it's just I find it really aggravating and it also just seems to me like people People who are fans of his, it's, it just feels to me like they've all been duped. They're like, oh, he's a genius. Look at this fantastic movie. I'm like, yeah, he made it the last time, and he made it the time before that. So my problem with him isn't that I don't find him talented. It's the fact that I think that there's a – there's a, a it's just very repetitious to me and to the point where it's just like I'm not interested in seeing any other movies of his because I feel like even though I've only seen like three or four, I feel like I've seen them all. So that's my that's my beef with him it's not that i think he's untalented i just think that it's just like i'm kind of and i know he's got a new movie come out and everybody's like oh it's his best movie ever um and you know maybe i will go see it i don't know but i'm just like i'm not i'm not i'm not terribly excited about it you know so anyway
0: okay that's so that's my thing so in all, in no, all fairness no, the wes it, anderson hate, my my wife it. is a huge fan loves okay, well, everything for her. yeah she loves everything i'm, I'm genuinely the guy does.
1: happy
2: for her okay <laughs>
0: No, I am. I'm she's happy She's gonna for. fly to Boston and kick the shit out
1: of you. Is she? A, uh, is she? An o- is she an Oasis fan though? Oh God, no. <laughs>
0: God, did, did you like the, the tweet I quote tweeted you in? Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. great. It was great. I was surprised
1: you didn't react. Um. Anyway, anyway, I'm happy. Uh, the French I Dispatch is the new it. movie
0: from Wes Anderson. Okay. So now, have you seen it? Has she no, seen it? I. We've not seen it yet. It just dropped. Just came out. So yes. here's here's the thing. Benicio del Toro, Adrian Brody. Mm-hmm. Tilda Swinton, <laughs> Leah Seydoux, who is in the latest James Bond movie and the one before that, Francis McDormand, Jeffrey Wright. That's a good uh, cast. Owen uh, Wilson, Bill, Bill Murray, Henry Bill Murray's Winkler. in it. Well, Bill Murray's yeah, in it? Well, I'm shocked. <laughs> you're shocked. <laughs> of course he's in it. Right? Anyway, Henry Winkler, okay? This is like the ultimate all-star cast here. Sure. I mean, how can a guy... Who you know? You says does the same movie over and over and over again. Draw such. I mean, well, he's he's freaking. He's paying for Owen Wilson's next summer house, again. Um, yes, but I mean, okay. So for me personally, the Royal Tenenbaums is a disaster. Okay, I have a real I have a real problem with this movie. I got a real problem with Gwyneth Paltrow sitting in a bathtub, smoking cigarettes <clears throat> the whole damn movie, and and the whole incest <laughs> angle. I got a real problem with that. Okay, the one Wes Anderson movie for me that to me is genius that I adore is The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou.
1: Okay, all right.
0: I I think you know it's it's a fantastic film. It's quotable. You know how we love quotable movies. Sure. Um, you know, and and that movie to me is the best of the best with Wes Anderson. Okay. Now, now, with the French Dispatch, according to the IMDb entry, a love letter to journalists set in an outpost of American newspaper in a fictional 20th century French city that brings to life a collection of stories published in the French Dispatch magazine. The mm-hmm. premise appeals to me and possibly should appeal to you, Mr. Former journalist, sure. uh, you know, and, and corporate communications stooge. Um, Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Hey, thanks um, for that.
1: My, my, my employers will enjoy hearing that. <laughs> when you Listen to this. Because hey, I'm sure they're all listening to look,
0: it. Look, and, and next, next, you know, you'll take some public relations dig at me, but you know, you know what's funny? I didn't mention the last time you were on the show. It's like the first time in a long time we were both gainfully employed at the same fucking time.
1: Yes. Right? Absolutely. Right. So
0: that that that's good. But but the thing is, the thing about Wes Anderson films, again, is you either love them or you hate them. Right? Mm-hmm. And and they're quirky, they're different, they're oddball. Um you know, there's there's things in Steve Zissou when it comes to like the made up creatures and the made up wildlife and that kind of thing, but there's so many moments in that film that you're just you know that that are absolutely freaking hilarious, uh, mm-hmm. and and I can't pronounce his name Sal George uh, doing uh, Brazilian or oh, the Bowie songs yeah yeah mm-hmm. Portuguese covers of the Bowie songs are, are freaking yeah. brilliant right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. there's there's a lot to like about that film. Tenenbaums I, I love Gene Hackman but that movie and, and Angelica Houston owes a lot of you know a lot of filet mignon to freaking Wes Anderson too sure. uh, you know um, but the one I like the most is definitely Zisu, and, and you know it's a great vehicle for for Bill Murray uh, mm-hmm. and you know and, and kind of a, a Jacques Cousteau which there's going to be a new Jacques Cousteau movie coming out
1: yeah, it's a documentary, right? Yeah, yeah. It's all, yeah. It's yeah, all yeah. Jacques I saw, saw something about that.
0: Yeah. And uh so, you know, it it it's just really Willem Defoe's in it and you know, it's just it's it's a lot of fun and, and, and it's just quirky, it's different. Um but some of his other stuff just I, I kind of agree with you in some regards. Um, but what I do like is that that they are quirky, they are different, unlike Kevin Smith, who can only do one fucking thing these days. Let's do yeah. Clerks Twelve, okay? <laughs> I, I mean, does Dante really need another vehicle? I, yeah, right. So yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, you make a lot of good points, and I think that, like I said, I've never said he's he's not talented. I think he is very talented. I'm talking about Wes Anderson here, not Kevin Smith. Um, and I think that. <laughs> I mean, Kevin Smith is, I, you know, I, I actually have to claim ignorance. I haven't really seen much of his stuff. Um, I did, I did think he was kind of funny in Die Hard 4, you know, but that's not really neither here nor there. But, um, I, I think that, um, the like I said, my main issue is, like I said, I, I saw Rushmore and I love, I still to this day love Rushmore, <clears throat> but then I, I remember. I really loved Rushmore, and then the the next movie that he made was Royal Tenenbaums, which came out like three years later, and I remember going to see Royal Tenenbaums in the theater, and I was really excited to see it, and the movie was over, the lights came on, and I remember thinking to myself, oh, so he basically made another Rushmore, you know what I mean, and that's when I started to think, his movies have this sort of like sameness to them that I kind of find irritating, but... Um, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do a favor. I'm going to seek out life aquatic and I'm going to watch it for you, Jerry. I'm going to watch it. (laughs) And And I'm going to seek out the
0: sparks documentary and watch that for you, my friend, Chris,
1: I think I honestly do believe that you are going to like that documentary. Um, uh, and I hope I like Life Aquatic. You know, I mean, I'm optimistic. Who knows? You know, I, I'll do it. I'll do it for you. I just got to find out a place that streams it. Um, I was just looking it up. It's not on HBO Max, which we just recently got. Um, oh,
0: jeez. Yeah, that's all. I'm going to get into that in a minute. Uh, anyway, yeah.
1: So, anyways,
0: so we finally we cut the cord on cable television.
2: Yay! Yay!
0: Yeah. So we did. We went with Hulu Live uh hulu with live television right and plus you get all the
1: you get your sports
0: got my sports i got my sports ball um
1: yeah i've got
0: i got my sports but i got the local channels local uh which which i like you get the the seattle stations but at the same time so here here was kind of an interesting quirk right so the local uh cable company turner classic movies was not in high definition and it was bothering me. Sure. And and in the conversations I had with the wife, it was like, you know what? That alone is worth switching to Hulu with live television. And, you know, we already had Hulu. Um, we have Amazon Prime. We have Netflix. Um, we've dabbled with some of the other, other services. So basically, cost-wise, we're going to end up paying almost the same as we were with – you know cable tv plus all this other stuff yep but at the same time the thing that gets me is and i don't know how the hell this works maybe it's a signal loss from the cable but the picture quality is better just in general
1: Hmm, Um, interesting
0: yeah so yeah if the internet goes out we're kind of fucked and and can't watch Mm -hmm. anything but at the same time you know, I mean, recently we had a we had our first power outage since we moved to Washington. And Congratulations. Uh, Yeah, thank you. Uh I grabbed a book, <laughs> right? I I'm I'm reading Stephen Graham Jones uh My Heart Is a Chainsaw and I read his uh, you know, earlier work uh The Only Good Indians. Uh, yes, uh, I remember talking about that. Yeah, yep. I'll never look at Elk and Basketball the same again. Um <laughs> it's, you got to read it. It's it's good shit. Um, I it's on my list, yep. <laughs> Yeah, Stephen Graham Jones is, I think, I think is going to be the new new voice. And I've talked uh, to a few other uh, guests I've had on uh, recently, Mark London Williams, my cousin Jason, who's big into horror films. Uh, we, we were talking about kind of what was next, right? We're like, okay, vampires are played out, zombies are played out, there's always science gone wrong. Um, but what's what's going to be next in horror? And I think I think Native American folklore is is going to be huge. And Stephen Graham Jones is really tapping into this. He's Blackfeet Indian, Um yep. And uh, you know, I and, think and this guy is is really onto something. And I need to go back and read more of his stuff. Um, but my heart is a chainsaw, sitting on the nightstand right now. I'm I'm not that deep into it. I'm ashamed to admit, um, you know. And as we always we we gravitate toward toward Stephen King every episode for some strange odd reason. There um, we go. We yep. made it. We made it. We made it. We got there. It took almost an hour, but we got there. <laughs> Um you know, a lot of people, uh Mike Mike Flanagan's uh Midnight Mass, a lot of people are comparing to uh Stephen King work and really, oh, it's just Stephen King? No, fuckers, it's not. Um but Yeah, I've uh, heard I've
1: heard I've heard uh, I've heard polarizing things about that.
0: It's uh they there are long stretches of Okay but there are right, moments of, of, of brilliance. Um, okay. but, but the, uh, the, it's kind of interesting. Uh, you know, it, it plays on dementia and Alzheimer's and also, you know, uh, ancient vampire tropes. Um, so, so there's, there's, there's this like melding of, of different, different concepts in, in, uh, the vampire genre. Uh, okay. but, uh, but, is it worth watching? Sure. Um, it's a series or a film? It's a series. It's okay. like nine episodes. It's a limited series. Um, also, so here, here's the the thing about um, Stephen King, right? The tie-in. So, Chapelweight. It's on Epics. I've watched the first couple of episodes. It stars Adrian Brody, who I adore. He's a fantastic uh-huh. actor. So what this is, is the story of Salem's lot as told in night shift in, in the short story, Jerusalem's lot.
1: Yes. Set which in, I've read, I've read, I've read night shift. Yeah. Yep.
0: Set in 1850. And, uh, Adrian Brody is, uh, is, is the star.
1: Oh, Interesting.
0: And, yeah. And I'm going to get, epics just so i can finish i've been waiting for the whole series to be on what
1: the hell is epics is that like another streaming service that i've never well, heard
0: of it's another cable service you've never heard of it's up there with okay. hbo showtime stars all of them it's kind of like a lower but they tier. have a streaming but they have a streaming, but they have a streaming yeah. right. yep it's like five yeah. bucks a okay. month oh, um, that's not
1: bad. yeah yeah
0: so now that the whole series has dropped i'm gonna finish it um And it's kind of funny because I couldn't remember the damn name of the thing. And I have the book and I read it not that long ago. Couldn't remember the name of the story. So you have Jerusalem's Lot. Then you have the novel, the full length Salem's Lot, which is Mm -hmm. one of my favorite Stephen King works. Then you have a short story, which also appears in Night Shift called One for the Road, which is a bit of a sequel to the novel. And okay. I find it really interesting, uh, you know, that these three things all tie together. But Chapel Wait is based on the short story uh, Jerusalem's Lot, and uh, okay. uh, it's it's you know production quality and all that atmosphere, it's great. And the first couple episodes I watched are, are really good. Um, I picked up uh, a copy of Stephen King's uh, Dance Macabre not that long ago. Uh, which yes. I need, which I need to read. I have Lizzie's story on my nightstand, which is right under Stephen Graham Jones. My heart is a chainsaw. Um, also, uh, local bookstore, a couple doors down from the uh, record store, I picked up your Frank Zappa from. Uh, I, I purchased something called uh, Amish Vampires in Space.
1: <laughs> okay, all right, you're going to need to explain that one. <laughs>
0: It's a local author, Seattle author, uh, who's written like three, a, a trilogy. It's Amish vampires in space, where Amish werewolves in space, and I don't know what the hell the third one was called. Um, and and the proprietor of the bookstore was, after I was explaining my books and, and getting her to agree to carry me on consignment, um, mm-hmm. she's like, oh yeah, this is right up your alley. I'm like, oh God. Um uh, thanks
2: I guess.
0: yeah you know and me you know me i gotta support the the indie bookstore right so i gotta buy sure, something and i couldn't bring myself to, to buy the tommy knockers um so right. i yeah it's amish vampires in space i uh, i don't know what the frick i'm gonna do with it um but I, i'll read it eventually um so anyway I'm sure you
1: will i <laughs> List- like nothing less.
0: Right. <laughs> You're listening to the Get to Knack podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Knack, coming to you from uh, Ocean Shores, Washington, Washington State, not the District of Columbia. And uh, joining me in his monthly visit is my good friend, Chris Ingalls, all the way from Boston, Massachusetts. Chris, uh, you know, when it comes to all this stuff, I, I really don't miss cable television. I, I don't. I- no. it- and maybe because no. I was spoiled with Comcast Xfinity. Xfinity. The thing that I missed with that was the on-demand features, right? So you could, whether you had the service or not, you could curate right. all the on-demand content like in one screen, and you could even yeah. you could even do a search. You could even say, you know, tell the the talking remote fucking robots be like hey uh show me stephen king movies or show me yeah. vampire movies or show me wes anderson amish vampire movies uh, amish vampire movies absolutely um because yeah. because you know they're that good um but you could curate all of this content onto under one screen and now i spent more time scrolling looking for a movie to watch than i did actually watching movies but it's like going to blockbuster on a friday night Right, right. It's that it's that experience of going to blockbuster. But an even
1: better selection. Sure. The thing about streaming is that you know we have a variety of streaming services. We have you know we have Netflix, we have Prime, we have Hulu Plus. We just got HBO Max, and it's like. I'm never gonna run out of things. In fact, if anything, I there's too much to choose from. And I can't tell you, and I think a lot of people have the same problem where you wanna watch something and you spend forty-five minutes just searching. You're like, oh, do I want to watch this? Do I want to watch this? And it's just like you've got too many choices, which is a nice problem to have. But um It is. Yeah, we got H we got HBO Max. I forget why we got HBO Max specifically because there was something on HBO Max I think that my wife wanted to watch. But the good thing about that is um, there's a lot of stuff that's on HBO Max. It's also available on Hulu, but there's other stuff that isn't. Like I got to watch um, Many Saints of Newark, which Sopranos prequel. I saw that last weekend. And so there's a lot of exclusive content like that. And I still love my HBO shows. I mean, I love John Oliver. Um, I'm I'm seriously getting into Succession. I don't know if you've – have you watched that?
0: I The funny thing about Succession is I watched it like the first season. Almost yeah. religiously, but it was on yep. at the same time or like right after something else I was into and, yeah. and I kind of dropped it and it's kind of been in the back of my head to go back and Well, and, third, and pick it third up.
1: season is out now, so it's a good time to dive back in. Uh, it's good.
0: And, and so it's kind of funny, you, you know, Kieran Culkin is in Fargo second season, very, very early in second season. And, and I'm, I'm binging Fargo right now, going back and, oh, nice. and watching, right? So nice. the Coen brothers, um, you know, and what's funny is I'm, I'm thinking, I'm watching it through a different lens and, I, and I'm thinking about all the subplots I left hanging in my novels. Like the stuff that oh, I- really? Yeah, it's weird because the one thing about Fargo and and if you've watched it all the way through, even the Chris Rock season- yeah, it all ties together.
1: I know which the brilliance of it, and and right. and I think that's that's a show that has sort of come and gone in quality. I mean, I think that the season three of the, the season with Ewan McGregor, I thought was kind of eh. Um, I thought that the the last season with Chris Rock, I think, was sometimes absolutely brilliant, sometimes not so much. It was kind of spotty, but overall, I liked it. And that's the thing is that, the, but I think the overall. Um, the overall feel of that show is that I love this whole concept of like an anthology series where every season it's a completely different setting. It's a completely different time frame. But like you said, it's all, it all fits it all. It's all connected. And I really, I think that's sort of like the brilliance of that whole show, even when it's not great, it's still worth watching.
0: I agree. And, and the two through lines that I see right now Going back, I mean, season two right now, the middle of it, the Solverson family and, mm-hmm. and Mike Milligan, because, you know, if you if you go all the way through to the, the Chris Rock season, it it's, you know, Mike Milligan is Chris Rock's son. And okay, right. Right. So so yep. going back and watching it again and knowing <clears throat> that, you know, like all that shit that happened in season four in Kansas City. Going back to season two makes uh you know informs who Mike Milligan is as an adult, mm-hmm. as, you know as part of the Kansas City Syndicate. It's just really interesting how it is all tied together, and 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 at least Jesse Plemons and Kirsten Dunst got together.
1: Yeah, that's kind of funny,
2: isn't
0: it? <laughs> it's kind of weird. funny. I love Jesse Plemons, and and Plemons Plemons obviously from from Breaking Bad. And, and yep. he's done a lot of other things And we won't talk about I'm thinking of ending things Which is one of the worst movies I've ever fucking seen um, uh-huh. But is a brilliant book by Ian Reed. Um yep. So, you know But Plemons Plemons is kind of one of those guys That, you know You've seen him He's kind of a discount Matt Damon
1: um, Well, in Breaking Bad They refer to him as Meth Damon That was his character like A lot of people right, call right. that character Meth Damon Right, right <laughs> Well, he started he started in Friday Night Lights. I think that was his first big thing and that was kind of a I love Friday Night Lights, but it was kind of like a, you know, it wasn't anything sort of like groundbreaking or like that. And then I remember like, oh, he's in Breaking Bad. Wow, uh, he's come a long way. And then he was in like a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, he was in The Master and it's, so it's like And then and he's in that um up, upcoming Scorsese movie with um uh oh god, what's it called? The Killing of the f- flower moon or whatever. It's this movie about like the founding of the FBI that Scorsese is directing so he's in that along with DiCaprio and anyway anyway so i went way off on that you were talking no, about Jesse Plumb
0: No you're right and and you know <laughs> yeah. yeah you're talking it's about interesting we're both talking about rise. the same guy but yeah, yeah him yeah. And, and and Kirsten Dunst uh, obviously from uh, you know starts with the interview with the vampire and then uh, you know has is yeah. is this interesting career and and uh, you know so second season of Fargo that's how they met that's how they became a thing so yep. you know, and, and like you said, yeah, the third season's like meh, you know, the whole thing with uh, uh, Ewan McGregor and and the parking Twins. garage thing, and yeah, yep. It, yep. It, yep. it's all kinds of kinds of weird. But what I need to do, I need to tap into the Google machine, and I need to figure yes. out the history of all of this, right? Because it's all based on true stories, and and all yes. that. I really want to dive into all of that um, because. Last year, I read a really disturbing book called uh, The Girl Next Door by Jack Ketchum, which is based on a true story. And I've done way too much Google research to disturb me on that.
1: Just so, enough to be dangerous.
0: Oh, my God. You have no idea. Anyway, yeah. but but, you know, I I, I want to dive down uh, deeper into the backstories that informed all of these Fargo stories. Right. Um, we've gone back. My wife has gone back uh, and and binged. um Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. And again, you know, uh, you know, Bob Odenkirk was in, um, Fargo played, played, uh, played, you know, he ends up being the chief of police in uh, Bemidji, Minnesota, Um, uh, you know, uh, before Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad. So, um, or around the same time. So, um. You know, and Odenkirk obviously uh, had a uh, heart attack during the filming of the uh, most recent season of uh, Better Call Saul, which has yet to drop. Yep. So uh, hopefully he's okay and uh, we get some, some more brilliant like television. Yeah. Hopefully we get some more brilliant television out of that, that uh, you know, that stable of uh, creatives. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's it's a real interesting time right now uh, when it comes to, we've talked about it you know, I don't know how many times on this program about television, serial television. Now we got to talk about things like, um, you know, TikTok and, and the new, uh, new app that, uh, uh, my firm is representing, you know, the new company clash, um, you know, and just kind of the, the world of, of creativity, um, Kind of what's become obvious is NBC, CBS, and ABC aren't so much the tastemakers anymore. Like they
1: used no, to be. No, 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 they're not. And and I think that, you know, uh, streaming has really become the thing. And, and it, you know, you talk about cutting the cord, and, and we did that about uh, like eight years ago. And it was easier for us because we're not sports fans. And I know that that tends to be the thing that a lot of people have been holding out on. Uh, because of the fact that, well, I got to have my sports, I got to be able to watch the game or whatever. But streaming now allows you to do that, um, as as you've proven. And I just think that um, I just, as someone who grew up like you with broadcast TV, with the three networks, and then later with cable, um, it seems strange for me to say this, but I just don't miss it. You know, because it's just it's a whole new way of watching TV, but it's a much more liberating way of watching TV. Because I can literally watch whatever I want, whenever I want. And I don't have to say, "Oh, when's the show come on?" Oh, it comes on at ten o'clock. Oh, I guess we got to tape it. You know, I mean, that's just such a foreign concept to me now. Yeah. And like I said, there's just there's no there's no turning back. If I want to watch something, I'll find it somewhere. Um. You know, and if I have to pay for it, get it sooner, then you know, I guess I can do that. But um, yeah, it's just it's. It is weird. It's weird. I remember when HBO came out. Like like um, when I moved to Florida live with my dad when I was like fourteen, he had HBO and I just remember thinking, Wow, look at all these movies that are on here. But still, you gotta wait until they come on at a certain time. You gotta look at the HBO guy and you're like, Oh, it'll be on tomorrow at seven thirty. Now it's just like, Hey, just call it up. So
2: Yeah, you know,
1: here's the progress, I guess. You know, I don't I don't miss it.
0: Well, the days of appointment television are over. Right? Oh, yeah, and, and they've been dead for a while. But yeah. at the same time, I mean, I'm looking right now at this wall in my my home office and and podcast studio um, of DVDs, <laughs> right? Yes. And I've yet to connect my DVD player since we moved here. It's in the yes. cabinet. It's under mm-hmm. the TV. I've yet to connect it. And, and to tell you how screwed up this is, I have an mm-hmm. annual Halloween tradition. I watch The Exorcist. Every mm-hmm. year without fail, and instead of hooking up the DVD player and getting out the director's cut <laughs> edition that I own on disc, I, I know
1: what's coming. <laughs> I paid
0: two ninety nine on Amazon Prime to watch the fucking thing.
1: Do you know how many times we've done that? Trust me, it's you're not the only one. It's I can't find the DVD. I don't feel like hooking up. Eh, Prime's got it for four bucks, whatever.
0: And, and that's and, where they get you. And seriously, my my wall of DVDs that I had to have. I mean, I had to order a special freaking cabinet right from freaking Walmart to get It's <clears throat> 10 feet from the fucking TV. And yeah. it's not like it's a difficult thing to hook the thing up. I'll get this plug the freaking HDMI cable in and it's it's over and done with. But you know, and how many films did I record off of Turner Classic Movies during, during October in the Halloween season? that i already own right so right. i can just watch them i can hit play off of the the dvr rather than get out of dvd and, and go through all of that and i've got a nice little sound bar and surround system you know to go with mm-hmm. it all and you know i've got i've got a nice little thing where you experience the film as opposed to you know just tv speaker so i've got a decent yep, experience yep. right um I can't tell you how many times I'm I'm talked into going to bed early so I can watch something on TV in the bedroom as opposed to watching it in the living room, uh, mm-hmm. you know it's it it really is an interesting era. We've talked about it a hundred times on this show, just how interesting it is today to consume media. And what's what I find yes. really funny is. The younger generation, whatever you want to call it, the Gen Z, I mean, because we got to go before millennial, don't understand that the art they consume and how they consume it was invented by people like us.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right, old man. That's right. Gramps.
0: Just don't call me a boomer fucker.
1: Um, no, no, we missed that.
0: No. What's so funny. It cracks me up is when you see these memes and these graphics about, about the generations, us gen Xers are always forgotten. We're always left off the graphic. And it's like, you know, we invented the term, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. We are the whatever generation. We We really don't give a shit. Um, but, um, but it, it really inter- is interesting. Again, I mean, I listen to, to in the car, I listen to radio from space with uh, Sirius XM. But the yes. fact that I'm listening to terrestrial radio again blows my mind. Um, I never thought that that would happen again. And the reason this podcast exists is because I miss doing terrestrial radio. So, um you know our time in Iceland, our time with uh, Navy Broadcasting and Armed Forces Radio. Uh, I of all the things we did, and I and I know I did. You know I did the sports at night. You know me and Jamie Slafia. Um, you know the, we sure. we changed the way they did sports at that station um, on on the nightly news. Uh, but I miss being a disc jockey more than anything else than what we did.
1: Yeah, it's fun. I mean, it, it's – it's and, and I think like you said before, we were given the freedom to – well, I think – I don't know if given the freedom is the right term. I think we, we got away with it because I don't think – I think they kind of let us – left us alone for the most part. We weren't part of the Davis. network. Right, exactly. We were so an we, independent. We, right, exactly. And I think that we also had a considerable amount of influence because of the fact that Warren Officer Jones – who was basically like a legend in military broadcasting ran that play. basically let him say, Hey, whatever you guys want to do, go for it. He just kind of let us do our thing. And that was extremely liberating. And it was a lot of fun, especially doing, I mean, I pulled a lot of shifts there. I worked, I worked overnight in radio for a long time and doing the after midnight show where it was basically other than the requests, which weren't really that, uh, that frequent, I could pretty much play whatever I wanted, you know? Um, and that, there was something really cool about that. And I don't know how many people were listening, but somebody was listening. Oh, um, yeah.
0: I mean, we still I mean, we still have, you know, uh, like Paula Perouse. We still have friends, you know, that we're connected to on Facebook that listen to us back then. and They're listening to the show right now. You know, are they, people are listening to this. Yes, all twenty of them, seventeen of them, whatever the fuck it is. But yeah, I mean, we still well, we still have people that we knew back then that, that still give a shit about what we what we talk about and what we do. And, and you know, the the funny thing about it was, and you know, we do joke that we programmed it like a college radio station. And mm-hmm. that after midnight show, that midnight to two, except for when Tina Jones was doing it um
1: Swamp. Swamp shop. oh god that's <laughs> not in even, the air.
0: you're in the air um but that midnight to 2 show i mean we were we were entertaining guys who were working the overnight shift and and yeah. you know men right. and women who were were doing all kinds of you know crazy things uh, in airplane hangars. you know we're entertaining those folks and you know the the fact that we were able to find music and, and play it i mean we i sent you the thing when i was listening to dada on the way home one night in disneyland right sure. we're, we're school of fish and you know i, I kind of joke that um king missile's uh, detachable penis is the greatest song ever written but it's it, up there it's up there yeah 100% <laughs> you know but stuff like that though we were finding on these disks right and and playing this stuff and and yeah we were programming that station any damn way we we wanted to and uh you know for 2 hours from midnight to 2 a.m. we had a hell of a lot of fun
1: and some of us have moved on to bigger and better things, including your friend and mine, Dan Ball, who
0: <laughs> no, you had to fucking go there with Dan Ball, Dan Ball, who interviews Rudy Giuliani and Donald he, Trump he, and he, gets his ad, yeah. his microphone cut off at school board meetings, Dan Ball, because yeah, he's a, oh yeah. my
1: god, he's um. Yeah, he's gone off the deep end. He's truly lost it. I don't know if you've spent any time watching any of the clips of this show that he's on, but it's absolutely unhinged. I mean, it really is. I mean, OAN is like, they make Fox look like NPR. I mean, it's bad.
0: Oh, I know. know. It's absolutely ridiculous. I'm ashamed that we we were stationed with him, that we served with him.
1: I wasn't that close to him. No, and I mean it was, was, was I, either. but no, I mean
0: I mean Chris Beckwith with with his one year up there, I was closer to him than than any of the other, yeah. you know, mercenary right. Air Force guys that came up there, um, yeah. you know, Bill yeah. Connor and yeah. those guys, and uh, you yeah. know, but uh, but obviously us Navy guys were were a little tighter, a little closer. I still say we invented uh, binge watching, but that you know we've talked about that yeah. ad nauseum, um, but uh, you know kind of kind of we're we're in a little bit of an in-between state when it comes to you know great storytelling on on these services and on the on television you know the Marvel universe is kind of fading right now we're waiting for for their next great you know cinematic universe to pop up Uh, There's a bunch of one-offs coming with them Um, from a, from a horror standpoint, I'm really looking forward to uh, Morbius in in January starring uh, Jared Leto uh, plays the living vampire Morbius who, who actually is a Spider-Man nemesis throughout the comic books. Um, That looks really, really interesting. Um, James Bond, no time to die is the one movie that got me back into the movie theater. Uh, I really enjoyed that. Uh, fantastic film. Great. end. Yeah, I heard good things about it. Yeah. Great. end to the, and
1: he's going to say, that's the last one with Craig. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's kind of funny. They, they pushed and pushed and pushed, uh, to release that in the theater. And I saw an interview with Daniel Craig. It's all because of him and his love of the cinema. That's why he wanted, he didn't want it to be a streaming thing. He wanted it to be in the theater, Um uh, mm. a great end to the series. Uh, you know the five picture arc with uh, Daniel Craig as James Bond. Uh, and know. what's
1: the um, what's the uh, story with his replacement? Have they zeroed no, in anybody? I know that I know that I, Idris Elba has been considered, but
0: yeah, they're they're not going to figure out figure it out until next year, from what I what I understand. Are <clears throat> um, there other
1: contenders? I don't know. That's the only one I've heard. Me, the only... St- <laughs> Me, okay. you know uh, yeah dan ball yeah dad
0: fuck him um yeah so uh no i i have no idea i i've not really heard any buzz about any individuals i i don't think it can be an american i really don't um yeah you know uh the, if you and it it never has been right it no no been. no uh lazenby was australian So you've had – And he's the one who did the one, right? The one, and it was terrible. It's it's my least favorite out of all of them. Uh, Even the campy Roger Moore ones are better to me. (laughs) They even kind of broke the fourth wall in Lazensby's Bees. This never happened to the other guy, did it?
1: Um, Right. All right. So – I kind of grew up – it's funny. I kind of grew up with the Roger Moore ones just because – We both did. That was – yeah because that was the age because i think that yeah. um that was like late 70s early 80s or whatever late 70s mid 80s and you know like uh, for your eyes only view to it i remember view to a kill because that was the one with oh, uh God. tanya uh,
0: roberts and christopher walken it was so bad christopher and,
1: walken grace grace jones yeah um, yeah and then duran 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 had the song yep yeah and now um, billy eilish
0: this- is doing the theme song so you know we've right. we've, we've come a long way um, right exactly but, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, if you haven't seen it yet, you need to go out and uh, check it out. No Time to Die is a, is a great flick. Um, you know. I was
1: you know, up for a Bond movie.
0: Yeah. You know, I've been a fan for, you know, ever since I was a kid, like you said, with the, the Roger Moore films. Um, have for, you
1: seen them? Have you
0: seen them all? I have seen them all. Oh. I don't own them all, but I've seen them
1: all. Okay. Gun to your head. Favorite. Don't even think about it. Just tell me. Favorite. Goldfinger. Really? Yep. So you're a Connery guy. You're, you're the Connery's the best for you.
0: To me, Connery is one A. Craig is one B. So what
1: about what about um, what about Brosnan?
0: Brosnan. So we we go Connery, we go Craig. We got to go to me Roger Moore because of what you said, right? That's what we grew up on. It's a nostalgia thing, yeah. Yeah. Then you got to go uh, Brosnan and Timothy Dalton, right? So you got a one A. It's like a four A and a four B with those two. To me, they're, mm-hmm. you know, and then Lazenby will be the last. Right. So. Right. Uh, Understood. Yeah. yeah I like, I, I didn't mind Brosnan. The films were entertaining. The one with uh, Halle Berry was a little ridiculous. Um, but when you, when you look at them in context, they're all a bit ridiculous right? Um,
2: oh, that's
1: the whole, that's the whole idea that's the whole idea, idea not, behind it. They're right? Not, they're not meant to be taken seriously. I remember, I forget which one it was. I think it, it was a Brosnan one. I think about a bit like Goldeneye or something like that. But it was one of those ones where the opening sequence, he's in a plane, the plane is going down, he jumps out of the plane and lands inside another plane. I forget exactly what the circumstance was, but that's the premise in this opening sequence. And I remember in the movie theater, out loud, saying, oh my God, God, <laughs> <laughs> or, or something, or something, something like, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta I be mean, kidding. There's the suspense of the suspension of disbelief in these movies is, is, but I think it's part of it though. If they're supposed to be, they're supposed to be escapist, you sure. know, I mean, that's the whole idea behind them and they're not supposed to be serious movies. Although I think with the Craig movies, there might've been a little bit of a return to something that was a little bit more serious, but I, I could be and wrong. a little,
0: and a little darker, a
1: right. little darker. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah, and and so the the thing for me over the years with the James Bond films was the definition of the enemy, right? So you right. and I are Cold War sailors, right? So we knew who the enemy was for for decades, right? It was the Soviet Union, it was communism, and all that stuff. So James Bond reflected that. So it was you know it was always you know let's let's prevent World War Three with the Russians. Right. And, and then it's and, and when Timothy Dalton came on the scene, that kind of that was coming to an end. So now it was, okay we we want to go after terrorists but we don't want to insult muslims so what do we oh colombian drug runners
2: <laughs> right
0: right because cuz you you really you don't want to you don't want to brand brand muslims as, as terrorists you really don't want to do that you can't do that right because that that's in, insulting how many billions of people on the planet who are who follow that faith right so yeah um it, 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 it becomes, you know, you know, a drug runner thing. And now, so, right. so the P- Craig films really, what I like about them is, is the enemy has become nebulous, which, which really f- reflects today's society. Right. Um, yes. I, and in the new film, nanotechnology is explored and, and, you know, it's, it's, you know, the enemy within the government in, in, in these films, um, it, it, it really is interesting to see how they've evolved over 50, 60 years, right? Because Dr. No came out in 1961-ish. Yep. And uh, so over the course of 60 years, it's the longest running movie franchise in, in Hollywood history. So sure. um, uh, it's enduring. And uh, I've loved that uh, Daniel Craig as uh, James Bond. I think uh, he's fit it perfectly. Um, yes. Yeah. You know, Connery. To me, established the character, and if you read any of the books, I've only read the first one. I've only read um, Casino Royale, and and the fact that that yeah. uh, the, the the Broccoli's and Sean Connery and extracted this character from this idiot in the first book is amazing to me.
1: It totally transformed it.
0: Oh my gosh! I mean, he's yeah. he, you know James Bond in the first book is is a moron. And, and Connery really, really leaned into it and, and made it, you know, the suave international man of mystery. Um, and uh, to me, like like you asked, Goldfinger is the, the gold standard of all of them, you know, mm-hmm. from from the cars, the women, the, the, the action, the villain. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's a fantastic film. It's almost a perfect film. Mm-hmm. So, you know. What uh, what else is happening in the world of music and movies and television and pop culture? Uh, that's on your mind, my friend.
1: Well, we talked about. Um, I did watch the. Um, I did watch the Sopranos prequel movie, which um, I. It's funny. I went into it with low expectations because a lot of people I know said, "Eh, hey, not." great. It was a bit of a letdown. So I went into it thinking, oh, this is going to be pretty bad. And I was pleasantly surprised. I think they did a really good job with it. Um, I think it could have been better. I actually, what I ended up saying, I think I mentioned this on social media, but my my immediate reaction was, it was a lot to cram into one movie. What should have done is turned it into a limited series, a one-season series. They could have really fleshed out the characters. I think it would have been a lot better. But having said that, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I want to see Dune and I plan on seeing it in the next couple of weeks before HBO max takes it off. I'm really, I, I like to see it in the theater. A lot of people I know who've seen it say that they saw it in the theater and that's the way to see it. Cause it's got that sort of, you know, cinematic.
0: Well, my theater up it. the street is out of 1985. So I don't know how much better that experience is going to be for me.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm 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 kind of like <laughs> you know, logistically going to the movies is such a pain in the ass to begin with because, you know, especially if you have a young child as, as, as you've known in the past, it's not, you know, it's kind of a, you know, there's a lot to deal with, but anyway, I, I don't, I'll probably end up watching it like here in the house. I mean, I mean, I might just watch it on my phone, you know, I mean, that that's not, it's kind of depressing, but you know, that might end up being how I do it. But, but the, the many sense of Newark was good. Um, I thought it was actually a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Um, I haven't really been binging any shows lately. To be honest with you, I just have. I mean, it's one of those. Oh, well, Succession. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm staying current with that. It's a really good show. It's a good show if you're okay with the fact that every single character on the show is a complete prick. I mean, if, if you don't mind that kind of dynamic, it's actually great. because <laughs> okay. They're all, they're all just, they're all just complete assholes. But, right. um, in that sense, it's kind of enjoyable. Speaking but speaking of the um, only working Culkin. Yeah, exactly. He's doing SNL this week. Oh, okay. Did you know that?
2: Yeah. Uh, he's didn't doing, know yeah. did
1: that. He, it should be interesting. It should be um, interesting. Absolutely. But uh, he's he's great on Succession. He's he plays a really good you know piece of shit. But um, yeah, and then just like you know, I've been trying to catch up with. I've sort of fallen behind with a lot of my pop matters writing because of all everything that's been going on with the house and the family and everything like that. But I'm trying to get caught up on that. Um, I did. I don't know if you saw this, but I did write a review of this uh, big fancy 40th anniversary box set of the Rolling Stones album "Tattoo You," which is definitely yes, worth I checking did out. See that. Yeah, um, I mean, it's it's such. I, I really think it's such a great album, and, they, and there's some really nice bonus material. And they sent me the actual box set, which is really beautiful. Um, it's it's really it's really nice. They did a great oh. job with it. So so I'm I wasn't expecting that, and I got it in the mail. Like,
2: okay, cool
1: um um one of the things that i'm going to be reviewing it's actually been out for a couple weeks and i'm going to work on it this weekend is a deluxe 40th anniversary reissue of the very first replacements album which is really a lot of fun i don't know how familiar you are with this their first album which admittedly i'm not that familiar with it came out in 1981 it's called sorry ma forgot to take out the trash and it is it is very sort of it's just a very the punk rock album i mean in the purest sense I, but the thing is the, adore replacements, the replacements yeah and the thing is is that the replacements started out as this real sort of pure punk band but because paul westerberg is such a great songwriter it's also just very melodic i mean they're really catchy songs yeah. you know because just a, lot a great of, songwriter a lot of great hooks a lot of, a lot of great a lot of great hooks so it comes with the the, the original album plus a bunch of like demo recordings and stuff like that plus a live show from that era Mm. which is like it's golden I mean it's really nice so I'm gonna be working on that this weekend fuck Uh, you
0: that's all I gotta say about that one
1: well I'll tell you what though I'll tell you what I didn't get a physical copy of it it good good screw you so I basically have whatever anybody that Spotify has it's not like I got this big huge set so anyway so calm down (laughs) (laughs) um but but uh definitely definitely check, i'll be you is one this. of my
0: favorite songs of all freaking time i love the replacements yeah. just in general right i mean and just, the
1: thing yeah. and the thing is is that as time went on their music became a bit more commercial but it's yes. still really good yeah. you know what i mean it's and i remember Westerberg solo stuff that was in the uh God, talk about rem- re- reminding me of 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 Kalfovic when remember when Singles came out you know the the movie yeah, Singles yeah, yeah. and yeah. and he's got a couple of really good songs on that soundtrack um but this stuff from the early days is just like it's just it's mm-hmm. it's so much more raw but the hooks still there this is a really terrific album and it's a great it's it's funny because it's like it's the 40th anniversary of this album, and then Tattoo You just had his 40th anniversary. It's just weird because it was like this is the Stones, sort of at the peak of their popularity, and this is the replacements, so this band, this this scruffy band from Minneapolis There's who nobody had ever heard of. There's
0: irony in their name. There, yes.
1: I think there is a little bit of irony. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> what, other, what other stuff i'm trying to think of other stuff and I just you know i'm just kind of cranking out reviews and you know like i yeah, said you're... a lot of experimental stuff and a lot of really weird shit. but um yeah i'm just uh you know plugging along with it and uh i am looking for a new show to watch once because i'm caught up with session and i'd love for something to binge so i don't maybe
0: I'll if you to haven't that watched squid game i highly recommend it i don't know if i want to watch
1: squid Sk- Squid Game. I've heard the description of it and it sounds just very disturbing.
0: Don't watch it with is the it? sun. That's put it let's put it that way. Don't watch oh, it. Oh no, I wasn't VR. going to
1: watch it with the sun. I'm not <laughs> stupid. Um I know enough about to know that I shouldn't do that. But, it's excellent.
0: But, um, it's really well done. it, it is yeah. disturbing. It's violent. Uh, but it, it's a really well done uh show and uh we we enjoyed it. And uh so if you're looking for something to watch, watch Squid Game.
1: I'll, I'll think about
0: it. Be a, be a statistic, um, Chris. Be a, be, wanna, be one if, of their viewers.
1: Okay, um, but if I want to <laughs> do something that's sort of more in the in the more visceral horror genre, do, do, um, I'm Mass. thinking about. I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. Yeah. I don't know. I've heard good things. It takes um, a while
0: to. It takes a few episodes to catch. It takes a, a few while. Uh, you know. Uh, Most shows
1: little, do anyway. That's fine.
0: But Flanagan is is his whole thing is these these long monologues, these these yeah. long periods of dialogue, and you're just like get to it, um, you know. But it's only like nine episodes, and uh, it's oh. it's worth watching. It, it sure is, and it, and it does have a Stephen King feel to it. It, it cracks me up. At all these people is this Stephen King? No, shut up. Um, you know it's
1: funny though when you, you you talk about Stephen King and I I tried and I think we talked about this but I tried to watch Castle Rock but I could not get into it for the same reasons I thought it was really slow
0: second seasons much better than the first uh second okay. season makes more sense than the first but um, do I
1: have to watch do I have to watch the first season to watch no, the second no
0: you don't the second season okay, maybe is, I'll just do that then yeah second season is uh, Annie Wilkes's backstory.
1: From oh, misery. that sounds awesome! Yeah, Wait, yeah, so yeah. the so this is an, an so this is an anthology series, so they're completely separate by season. Yes, sort of. Yes, maybe I'll just do that thing because oh, that's right. I remember. So who plays Annie Wilkes? I forget.
0: Oh, I, I can't the, remember her name. She was in 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 this other thing called Starry Eyes. She was in. Uh, you know her when you when you see her name. Uh, she's been in okay. a few things, and uh, God, she might have played. Um, she might have played Danny. Torrance's mom in Doctor Sleep, which I'm I not. still haven't seen.
1: Which I, I but I kind of want to read the book first because I still haven't read Doctor Sleep.
0: Yeah, read the book first and then watch the director Scott. Director Scott skip the the theatrical release. Director Scott is brilliant. Okay. So all right. Yep.
1: Well, um, I, you know, I, I I trust you as always.
0: More more, you um, McGregor, which you know you can't get enough I mean, Ewan McGregor lizzie uh,
1: kaplan that's who plays Annie wilkes okay i just looked it up yeah um well she was in hot tub time machine maybe that's what i know her see, from.
0: there you go now. right
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> talking about screwball comedies we're back to that
2: okay uh... um, yeah maybe I'll, maybe
1: i'll maybe i'll maybe i'll watch season two of that then um and i'll, I'll try midnight mass maybe i'll watch um maybe i'll see how that goes
0: yeah, it's a really interesting concept. It really is, and that it just for me, it was like there was this long stretches of boredom. Um, but mm-hmm. but you know, it it, uh, it is it's an interesting concept, and I think that's what kept me watching it.
1: um and do me do me a favor because i've 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 been i've i'm I'm, uh i'm promising a lot of watching on my end watch that sparks documentary i will do that
0: i will hunt that down and uh i will check that out because it does sound like there's a lot of music in there that i would be interested in so so yeah well chris uh so much for keeping it to an hour uh so much for yeah. keeping it to 90 minutes so yeah no, it's, um, it's
1: not quite midnight here so we're, we're doing it okay. this
0: is why i pay for the soundcloud unlimited um
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you can ramble basically.
0: me I mean. yeah because because i'm <laughs> i'm the only guilty party in the rambling category
1: okay yeah. all right i'll talk
0: to that yeah it's these alcohol fueled rants we get off uh we get off too Sure right so but anyway i'm glad you're feeling better i'm glad your son's feeling Thank better you, and uh my best wishes to uh to your wife uh hopefully she feels better soon um Thanks. yeah we are uh we're angie and i are uh boosted and noah's got both his uh vaccinations so and excellent uh, uh his grades are through the roof so we're really happy um, you know, you never know Sounds when great. you move, right? You never know uh, you know, if your your uh, child is um on time, behind or ahead. Uh so he's doing really well in school. So we're we're happy That's with excellent.
2: that. Yeah, Pretty yeah nice.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh it rains like a motherfucker here, but um, you know, after thirteen years of drought, I'm uh, I'm doing well with it. I like it. Sure. Sure. So yeah, we had hail today, as a matter of fact. Seriously? Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Um and, like fun. Yeah, and you know it's like it's great having seasons again. It's like 49 right now, and uh, I'm, I'm you know it's
1: funny you you don't have to go very far to get to that because like, I mean how far are you from where you were before? Not that far.
0: No, I'm third, I'm 800 miles away.
1: Wow, it's like night and day too, huh? Night and day, night and day. Wow. We well, go good from for you. Well, I'm yeah. glad, you're, glad you're doing that. Yeah, we're we able to uh, go
0: from 85 on Halloween to to 45 and 50 and sitting out back and. You know, starting a little little fire in a fire pit and having hot chocolate on, on Halloween as opposed to, and, you know, swimming on Halloween.
1: Well, speaking of swimming, though, you're right by the beach, right? How far is the beach? Less than guess. a mile. That's great. Yeah. Eh, good for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome.
1: Really happy so, for you guys.
2: Yeah.
0: Appreciate it. We're enjoying it. So that's going to wrap up this edition of Ye Old Podcast. I want to thank my good friend, old Navy buddy. Master of all things pop culture, Chris Ingalls, for joining me on his uh, monthly visit to the show.
1: Thank you, sir. It's been a pleasure.
0: As always. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Get the Knack podcast. I have been Jerry Knack for Chris Ingalls. We will talk to you next time.
1: We clear?